want to remind you of something real briefly, if I might. We have Vacation Bible School coming up, the 10th through the 14th. And if you haven't registered your children, you need to go online and do that. Go on our website, and you can register your children online. Also, if you want to catch the announcements and things that are going on, you can go online and see an announcement video on there. But um, know that uh, Vacation Bible School is coming up, and we need your children, and we need your help. So uh, if you want to be a part of that, please uh, contact uh, Casey or Sarah, and I'm sure they would uh, wonderfully plug you into a place to serve. You know, this morning I want to talk a little bit about what we can do for our country. Sometimes we, we expect a lot from our country, but we really need to ask the question, what can we do for our country? I mean, it's a great blessing to live in the United States. It's a great blessing to live in Texas. And you know, there, there's, um, in two days... We're going to celebrate our nation's Independence Day on the 4th of July. We're going to celebrate our Independence Day. And America is a great place to live. I mean, it's not a perfect place. <laughs> not like heaven. But it's a great place to live. And it's a lot better than many other nations in the world today. To some folks, America must seem like a crazy place. I mean, somebody wrote this. They said, only in America. It says, only in America can pizza get to your house as fast as an ambulance. <laughs> Chuck was here. I'm sorry, Chuck. <laughs> only in America there are handicapped parking spaces in front of a skating rink. Only in America do drugstores make sick people walk all the way to the back to get their prescriptions while healthy people can buy suntan lotion up front. Only in America do people order a double bacon cheeseburger, a large fry, and then order a Diet Coke with it. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and we fill our garages with junk. Only in America do we use voicemail to screen calls and have call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone we didn't want to talk to in the first place. Only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in packages of 8. Only in America do we have Braille on drive-up ATMs. I mean, some people may just think we're crazy. But I still believe that America is the greatest nation in the world. And I feel blessed by God to have been born and raised in the United States. You know, this morning I want to be uh, coming out of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And the Apostle Paul gives us three things here that we can do for our country in this passage. Read with me, if you will, 1 Timothy chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 and following. It says this. Paul writes, First of all, 
Then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you. I thank you for our nation. I thank you for the United States of America. I pray, Father, for our leaders. I pray for our president. I pray for our Congress. I pray for our house. I pray, Father, that that you would just be with all of the leaders in our nation. I ask, Father, that you would draw them to yourself. Father, I pray for a great awakening in our nation. I pray, Father, for a great revival. I ask, Father, that you would be with the churches all across this land. Father, that you would touch the pastors in their hearts. Father, that you would help them as they preach your word. Father, that they would not water it down, but Father, that it would be your pure word. Father, I pray for the hearts of the American people, that our our hearts would be convicted of our sin. Father, that we would turn to you in repentance. Father, I pray that for each one of us today. Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. That your Holy Spirit would guide us into your truth. And Father, that we would bend ourselves to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for this time to be together. And we ask this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You know, in this passage, Paul says that, first of all, pray for those who are in authority. What we can do for our country Number one is to pray for America, pray for our country, pray for our leaders. We need to pray for those in authority. You see, the groundwork for our freedom that we enjoy, it was laid 241 years ago. And we enjoy the freedom that we have today to come and to go, to meet and to assemble to, to, to have lives in, 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 in our homes and to do the things that we desire to do. We have the freedom to do that because people before us, our founding fathers, those who, who gave birth to us, our, our, our fathers and our mothers, our brothers and our sisters, they were willing to pay the price so that we could have the freedom that we enjoy today. They paid for it. And they preserve it. Those that are serving in our armed forces all around the world. Those that are serving as first responders. They pray and they preserve our freedom every single day of the year. See, our freedom didn't come cheap. Our American patriots, they fought and they died and they gave us freedom of religion. To be able to worship God as our consciences give us liberty. 
So that we can gather together and pray and sing God's praises. So that we can worship as we choose to. As God leads us to. See, there are those today who are trying to tell us that the intention from the founding fathers was to give us freedom from religion rather than freedom of religion. And folks, there is a huge difference. There is a huge difference between freedom of religion and freedom from religion. Make no mistake, this nation was absolutely founded on Christian principles. We were founded by those who believed God and believed his word as comes from the Bible. We were founded on Christian principles. Those first settlers that came to America, they came here because of their religious faith for freedom of worship so they could worship how they choose. The pilgrims, when they came to Plymouth Rock on the Mayflower, they wrote the Mayflower, Mayflower Compact in 1620. And listen to what they said. In the name of God, amen. Having undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith, do solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God, covenant and combine ourselves together. For the advancement of of the Christian faith. 23 years later, the New England Confederation was written and listened to what our founding fathers wrote. It says, "Whereas we all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and peace." Folks, these are the people that our country was founded upon. Those who loved God, they were coming and setting themselves apart so that they could worship, so that they could advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our King. And what do we have today? A group of people who are trying to eliminate and exterminate not only the word of God from public view, but also obliterate the very idea of God. See, this is a much different idea than our founders had. Listen to what the framers of the Constitution wrote in 1776. They said, we, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions and for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Folks, these people were all in. They were all in. They were staking their lives on the, the liberty of religious freedom. That we want to worship God. That we want God in our society. That we want God in our homes. We're not going to push him out. We're going to stake our sacred honor. We're going to stake our fortunes and our very lives on that. When the first Continental Congress met, and they were debating how the Declaration of Independence should be written. Benjamin Franklin, he got up and he said, Gentlemen, 
If it is true that not one single petal from any flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. And after having said that, 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, they went to their knees and began to pray and seek God's wisdom. Can you imagine what would happen today if our Congress and our Supreme Court got together and they said, Almighty God, what do you want for this nation? Folks, this is the rock from which we come. This is the rock from which we are hewn. Is this type of character, this type of integrity, this type of uprightness before God. Those who came before us paid the price to give us a nation built upon the principles of God and the foundation of of Jesus Christ. The foundation has been laid. It's been set for us. You know, D.L. Moody, great preacher, he said, every great work of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Look at the example of Nehemiah. I'm not short for examples. There's examples all around. But if we look at Nehemiah, in in chapter 1, verse 3 and following, it says, They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Folks, I would say that our country is in distress. That our gates are broken down. We've lost the mooring. We've lost being tied to that rock we came from. When we look at the example of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, the burden bearer, he was in great distress. He sat down, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. You know, we could use some fasting, we could use some mourning, we could use some weeping and some praying before the Lord. I mean, do any of you have that kind of burden for a society that is dying, that is empty of godly values? Do you care about those that are lost? Those who don't know Jesus? I mean, Jesus was a burden bearer. He carried our sin and our shame. He covered that with his death. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a burden bearer. Nehemiah was a burden bearer. Are you? Are you willing to take up that burden for this nation? 
This great nation that we sing its praises, we think it's the greatest place in the world, but we won't do anything to carry that burden before the Lord. Oh, it's just always going to be this way. Don't kid yourself. We're on a slippery slope and we're going down faster than we ever came up. See, after listening and visiting with lots and lots of people, I believe that most people, most people want to make a difference. They want to know that their lives count for something. And the reality is this. We remember leaders who make personal sacrifices in service of a higher purpose. We remember leaders who make a personal sacrifices in service of a higher purpose. You see, the biblical truth is that sacrifice is the soul of leadership. Giving up what I want so that I can lead these. Giving up what you want so that you can lead these. See, sacrifice is the soul of leadership. Nehemiah, excuse me, Nehemiah embodied sacrifice. The central theme of the Christian faith is sacrifice. I mean, sacrifice is that redemptive power. That saving power. It is because of Jesus' sacrifice that we are saved. See, sacrifice is what the cross is all about. And folks, that's what separates us from the world. We proclaim Christ crucified. We proclaim Christ crucified. He died for us. He died for our sins. So why do we talk about Jesus so much? His sacrifice. Why do we remember the Apostle Paul? His sacrifice. Why do we talk about great leaders? Because of their sacrifice. Great leadership that we have known either in battle or in peace is sacrificial in nature. And leadership that will be remembered starts in the soul with a desire to live out our calling in Jesus Christ, in spirit-shaped people, being led by the Holy Spirit of God. See, it was Henry Ward Beecher who said this. He said, in this world, it is not what we take up, but what we give, excuse me, what we give up that makes us rich. See, to love and serve God is an empty life if there's no heart to serve others. Listen. To pray is hard work. It's great work and it's a great sacrifice. But brothers and sisters, we have to exhibit a different spirit. It's not a spirit of me. It's a spirit of sacrifice. 
that we give it up so that others may live. I mean, we don't need to go the way of popular thinking. It's okay to live modestly. We don't have to have the latest and the greatest and the best and the most expensive of everything. It's okay to live modestly and giving other people some space to live as well. Because scripture says, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Personal sacrifices, they're tough, but they can also be very rewarding. Can we do any less than pray for America? I mean, if we're going to see good come to our nation again, we, the church, the called of God, God's people, we need to be doing what Paul says here, to be praying for our nation and those in authority. I mean, one great thing that we can do for our nation is to pray for it. To pray for it every day. Not just when you think about it on the 4th of July, but every day pray and be thankful for our nation. Lifting our leaders up. Praying that God would speak to them. Praying that they would be led by the Holy Spirit. There is so much there. I've got to move on. The second thing I would say is we need to live righteous lives. I mean, that's what Paul talks about in this passage. He says that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. If we want to change the way that our nation is headed, then we need to live lives of godliness and dignity. I like to call that living in spirit and in truth. Because so much of what we see around us is false. Think about it. It's an illusion that you're in charge. You're not in charge. You've never been in charge. I'm not in charge. I've never been in charge. That's an illusion. Almighty God is the one in charge. He is the one who is sovereign over all. I mean, do you realize that the very framework of our nation's government was patterned by the Bible? I mean, we have three branches in our government. Executive, legislative, judicial. This was a new concept for a national government in the world in which they lived. Where'd they get the idea of that? Isaiah 33, 22 says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. You have the judge, the judicial branch, the lawgiver, the legislative, you have the king, the executive. Amazing. Our founding fathers looked to the word of God to organize the government that they, of our nation. And they laid the foundation and we are built upon that. Now, I realize that our, our nation has struggled, and we've strayed from that. But our founding fathers, they, they claimed God's word. They claimed this nation for God. You know, many of our leaders are trying to take 
not only God out of, our, uh, out of mention, out of our nation, but even the very mention of God. I mean, they want to take in God we trust off of our money. They want to take under God out of our pledge of allegiance. They're trying to make the Ten Commandments out of public view. They're trying to eliminate even the mention of God. There's not a lot I can do about those that are that movement to eliminate the mere mention of God in our government. But there is something that we can do to keep sin from dishonoring his name and our nation. You know, in Proverbs 14, verse 34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Sin is a disgrace to any people. I mean, sin has disgraced God's name. And we are made in God's image. And sin, sin in our lives, sin in your life, sin disgraces God's name. And it also disgraces our nation. We can't shame people anymore. They're not ashamed of anything. Sin disgraces any nation, any people. Just take a look. Take a look at marriages, which is God instituted. Look at the divorce rate. Marriage isn't a commitment anymore. It's something that we do until we find something better. Where is the sanctity of marriage? I mean, you talk about teen pregnancies. 60% of Christian Christian, 12 to 18 year olds are sexually active. Sin disgraces a nation. In the past 40 years, child abuse is up 240%, at least the child abuse that we know about. Pornography. We're eat up with it in this country. Sexual abuse. Broken homes, abuse of power. Sin has disgraced our nation. And that's something we can do something about. That we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and dignity. What we can do for our country, we can pray, but we can also lead godly lives. Lastly, I would say this. We need to share Christ. We need to open our mouths and share Christ with others. Because listen, the unbelieving world is shouting out its message. The gay and lesbian agenda, they're speaking out. Same-sex unions are being performed. And our leaders are listening to it. The liberals are speaking out. Family values have become a laughingstock and our leaders are listening to them. The sad truth is, is that the Christians in America are a majority, but we're doing very little to speak out in witness to our Lord. I mean, we're content to sit in our homes and shake our heads at the direction of our country. 
and where we're headed. But we're also content to sit in church and to say amen to the sermon. But we do very little outside the church to be a witness for the Lord. To whom much is given, much is required. Stand for Jesus, people. Stand for Jesus. I mean, God expects us to use the freedom that our founding fathers made possible to be a witness for Christ in this sinful world in which we live. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And when our nation, including those who call themselves Christians, cease to look to God, we cease to be blessed by God. See, our forefathers, they claimed this nation for God, and we need to reclaim it for Him. What we can do for our country, according to 1 Timothy 2, is this. Pray for America, pray for its leaders. As a Christian, live righteous lives, standing on the principles and the values of God's Word. And then shine forth the light of Christ. You have this light in earthen vessels. Let it shine forth. Let it, let it, let it be the, that, that people would see that. Let it be that others would see that Jesus is the only hope for America. That he is the only hope for an eternity in heaven. You know, one day, Hudson Taylor from the China Inland Mission, he was traveling on a small Chinese boat going from Shanghai to Ningpo. And he had been witnessing to this man named Peter. And Peter was under heavy conviction, but Peter had not yet accepted Christ as his Savior. In the course of events, Peter fell overboard on this boat. And Taylor panicked and He saw that he had no one that that could make any effort to save this man. And instinctively he he jumped up and he he went to the mast and he let down the sail and, and he flung himself overboard. And then he saw a group of Chinese fishermen and they were fishing over there. And they were oblivious to it and he, he tried to solicit their help. But they wouldn't stop fishing to look for this drowning man unless Taylor would pay them for it. Not only that, to Taylor's frustration, they wanted to barter with him to get every last penny that he had in order to look for this man who had fallen overboard. Finally, after he agreed to pay them a sizable sum, they agreed to help. And in less than one minute, after dragging with the fishing net, they found Peter. But it was too late. Peter was dead. They had been fishing, too busy fishing, to worry about a drowning man. And we think, man, what a tragic story. How calloused and self-centered those Chinese fishermen must have been to realize that a man was drowning, and yet they were more concerned about their own financial gain, their own comfort, than they were about helping someone who was drowning. But listen, before I condemn those fishermen, I need to pull the log out of my own eye. 
How concerned am I with those who are perishing without Christ? Do I care more about my own comfort, my own financial gain, than I do about people who are dying without a Savior? Do I go on about my business week after week, day after day, without any burden for those who need to know Jesus Christ? You say, well, after all, what can I do? I'm just one person, and there's got to be at least billions who, who don't know Christ. You can pray, you can live, and you can share. You can pray for our nation. You can pray for lost souls. You can live a godly life, a righteous life, according to God's word. And you can share Christ with those who don't know him. You can make a difference. Each one of you can make a difference. I mean, prayer that all people should be reached with the gospel should ooze from the life of the church. That all people, not just people like me, not just people like you, but all people would know Jesus in a personal way. I love this verse because it says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, prayer that all people will be reached with the gospel is in line with God's plan. It's in line with God's pleasure. It's in line with God's provision. It's in line with his procedure that he save all men. It is good and pleasing in his sight. See, I hope that you pray for me. I hope that you pray for me that that God would give conversions under my feeble attempts to preach the gospel. That as we preach the gospel, that people would come to know him. Pray for yourself that God would use you to share Christ with someone. And don't stop until he answers that prayer. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your kids as friends. Pray for family members. Pray for the people in this city. Pray for your nation. And that God would draw many to himself. Pray for our missionaries. That they would bear much fruit. Pray for the people groups around the world. Especially those where there is war or famine. And for those where there is no Christian witness. That God would be pleased to save multitudes for his glory and men I want to tell you this lead your families in praying for the lost lead your families in that because God's going to do something when you pray and you expect God to show up he will And don't give up. Keep praying for those who don't know Christ. You see, I believe that God wants to do a great and mighty work right here. Among us. That we would see and be leaders in a revival that transforms Temple, Texas. 
and Bell County. Because of the people in this room praying and seeking God and knowing what His desire is that all men should be saved. That all would come to know the Savior. So let's not pursue our own interests while people drown nearby. Let's pray earnestly that people would be reached with the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for all people. All people. See, my desire is to see this church be a lighthouse to the nations. That people could come here and get what you have. That treasure in earthen vessels. So pray, live, and share.